Welcome to Rochambeau, the podcast about unique competitions and the extraordinary competitors that make them happen. I'm Kim. And I'm Ted. Welcome back. We hope you got to hear our last episode. It was on the wonderful world of robot battling. Very, very cool stuff that takes place each year during the Dragon Con convention in Atlanta, Georgia. And if you guys missed that episode, go back and give it a listen. We recommend CastBox. CastBox is awesome. We both love it and use it almost every day. has great search features, and we highly recommend it. So on to today's episode. The World Mountain Boarding Championships. I don't know, doing two full spins in the air, what do we call 720. We got rodeo sets, frontside rodeo 360s. We got roast beef, chicken salad, truck drivers, <laughs> nose grabs, right? Backside five, double backflip, one footer, double front flip, and a double backside cork 1080. Like when you put it down full wheel, super smooth, yeah, it feels great. It's pretty mellow. People don't get hurt all that often. That's right, boys and girls, mountain boarding. Ted Ledoux is indeed a mountain boarder. I am. I uh, don't do it as much anymore, but I used to. And it's a ton of fun, a good way to get dirty and make some fantastic people. All right. So what is mountain boarding? All right. So I always tell people mountain boarding is like a big off-road skateboard. It's about the size of a small snowboard. It's made out of a composite material. It's got big air tires on either end, four of them, um, and it rides on trucks, which help you steer. You you slide your feet in to some sort of bindings, but you can get them out. But you can basically ride down grass, dirt, rocks, pavement, skate parks, anything. And mountain boarders, do they have a preference of terrain? No. <laughs> You'll ride anywhere. They'll ride anywhere. Yeah, it all really depends what you um, what you have around you. You know, like in Atlanta, there's a lot of grassy parks, so we ride that, or we go up to the mountains and ride dirt roads, or sometimes somebody has a backyard park and they ride that. Very cool. So it was basically created as a way for someone who likes skateboarding or snowboarding, something that you could do year round. Yeah, totally. This is made by snowboarders who, when the snow melted, they wanted to go ride something. Um, there's the first boards were created either in San Francisco, California by the Mountain Board Sports MBS crew, or the English version is by No Snow, a company in Europe who started at the same time. What do you mean by the English version? There's competing origin stories on where it began. Yeah. They, okay. they began, began about the same time. Okay. But like the, if you live in Europe, you think it started by No Snow. If you live in the States, you think it started by MBS. Okay. But it was the same time, same thing. So. I like that. Like minds kind of conversion, doing the same thing at once. So mountain boarding has a world championship. Have you ever gone? I went to an earlier iteration of it. It was called the Freestyle, the World Freestyle Championships. And that was in 2004 or 2003, one of those. And it was a blast. It was cold. (laughs) It's called the Arctic Challenge now because it was so freezing. But it was a lot of fun. I met a lot of great people. And uh, I was in the master's division. I did decent. That's awesome. And so nowadays there is an official world championship that takes place where? Uh, lately it's been in Serbia or Slovenia. They both have been bouncing back and forth between the two places. Any idea why those two countries? I think because they have, it's mountainous okay. and they have cool terrain and they're also, they're adventurous spirits. You know, like the country is wanting to try new stuff. They want to get people to come visit these places. So they're more apt to like let the people ride in the, on these areas. So. The 2018 championships were held in Slovenia. I talked to my buddy, Cody Stewart. He is the president of the International Mountain Boarding Association, and he helped organize it, and he's also a competitor. Okay, yeah, my name is Cody Stewart. 
Uh, I'm the president of the International Mountain Board Association, and uh, this year we helped support the local track in Slovenia to put that uh, world championship on. Awesome. How'd it go? It uh, went pretty well, actually. Everything ran smooth. All the printouts came out on time. I always did a lot of other things with it, and I walked away with the border cross side of things. So that was nice. Nice. So you won the border cross. I did, yeah. At a boy. Still got it. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> <laughs> How long have you been on boarding? Uh, September 5th, 2000. So it's been just over 18 years. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Over half, over half my life. Yeah, I started in 2000 as well. Oh, yeah? When uh, when did you start? I don't know exact date, but I know I was 30. Yeah. yeah. I, I feel like our whole group was, was all in that, like, 99, 2000 range. All right, so a couple questions. Okay, lay it on me. He said he won the border cross competition? Yep. What is that? Well, border cross is one of the disciplines at every world championship. It is a downhill race on a course that has um, jumps. You race about four people, usually at one time. And snowboarders and skiers do it in the Olympics and such. It's um, a downhill race, gravity powered. There's berms, there's jumps. What's a berm? A berm is a curve with a banked wall oh cool yeah. so you get speed and you can use that to pump down that keep your speed going and maintain your speed so the first person to the bottom wins there's a little bit of risk because you're there with four other people you know there's pushing there's shoving a little bit and not you know not supposed to push too really hard. yeah just there's touching like you know but you're not supposed to shove anybody apparently Is, now that's really different than yeah. snowboarding or no i mean they touch a little bit in the Olympics? yeah wow but not just not shoving but like you you know there's contact because you're on a thing barreling down a hill with people next to you. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's risky. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, but so least, Cody's a champion. He's a champion. Yep. He won this year's board across. Uh, I think it's been a couple of years since he's won, but back in the day he was a top notch racer. So he still got it. I'm proud of my little, my little young friend. Oh, all right. So you mentioned that there's two competing versions of how this all got started. Right. So is it safe to assume that Cody's connected to the U.S. history yep. on it? Yep. When we and him started riding together, um, we rode with Jason Lee and Patrick McConnell, who are two of the main characters behind MBS, which is called Mountain Board Sports, one of the top companies in mountain boarding. On our side of the pond, it was Jay Lee and the boys in like 93, 94 out in San Francisco. Right. Uh, then they took that and they moved to Colorado Springs, uh, started Mountain Board Sports, MBS. And uh, it was pretty grassroots, like, you know, chromoly frame boards with the pipe underneath. They were pretty rudimentary, but it got the job done. And then I think the first unibody boards started popping up around 99, 98, 99, 2000. And uh, that's when we came in, and that's really when things started to take off. Uh, To my knowledge, the first world championship was at Crocker Ridge in 2000. Wow, 18 years of world championships. Yeah. And, and it's been really off and on. Um, you know, like I said, the, one of the first iterations was the Freestyle Championships in 2003. There was a lot of regional. There's always been regional championships around the world. But the World Championships have not been consistently held for quite a while. But that seems to be changing. Also, the competitions have changed. Like, sounds like they've gotten a lot more organized these days. Back in our day, it was a bunch of dudes with a pad of paper. And you just kind of guessed. Well, you made a good guess at who won. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, he looked fast. He looked really fast. Yeah. <laughs> They're definitely more organized now. You know, instead of 
pen and paper, you know, brackets. Like now everything is pretty much done on the computer. Um, we've got like full bracket system. So once like qualifying is done, boom, we've got, you know, heat races and we know who's going where and what. Um, instead of like picking out people and being like, oh, let's do this guy on this guy and, you know, blah, blah, blah. We've got like full random programming now. Yeah, people just like meet up with whoever different from when we were back in there i think the courses are definitely like they're built to take a bit more speed okay but we've got you know pretty good sized berms now everything is instead of like you know real lippy most of the uh the obstacles have, have been you know they're more mellow lippy lippy what does that mean uh lippy. they talk back a lot <laughs> <laughs> they give you sass that's right <laughs> they had some sassy jumps back then uh lippy just means like a steep take off on a jump so like if you imagine well like if you imagine hitting a jump on a bicycle like if the steeper that the exit of the jump the more up you're gonna go the more mellow the more less lippy it is the more out you're gonna go you can send it you can what it send it what does that mean that means send it like an email no <laughs> <laughs> what do you email mean? it send it send no, it that means that means jump big to the kids okay or well, i did like 10 years ago I am getting educated. You are, you are. Yeah, still, still real technical, um, just like things were back in the day. But they, uh, it's, it's, it's been kind of catered to um, all riders, you know. And every course, every, every place has got its exception. But sure. it's actually surprising with the, with a lot of the freestyle stuff is, is it's not as big as it used to be. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I feel like the freestyle stuff has gotten a little smaller, safer. Um, yeah, they don't. They, it's not that magnitude that you used to get. Right. And then more people, obviously. You know, at, right. a, at a world championships, we average between ninety to like hundred and twenty people. So usually oh. right around the hundred person. Uh-huh. You know, whereas like our old contests were forty to sixty. You know, athletes. Right. <laughs> so it's pretty cool. I think that's the good thing about the world championships is it really does bring people together from all around the world to like one place to. Not only like compete, but to uh, to be that mountain board family, you know. Like, what does that mean to you? To me, um, yeah. Yeah. it's it's a it's an interesting thing to be a part of. I work in a, like a lot of different aspects of action sports, and um, the mountain board family is like everyone that rides across the world is kind of the same person, you know. I mean, you know how. How good and bad putting all those people together can be. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, um, it's always, you know, like, like we all get together, um, we kind of think the same, we do the same thing, you, you put this on the ground and, and, uh, there's just some sort of a camaraderie that you can't really find in another sport, I feel like. Um, at least I, I haven't seen it. And, you know, the closest thing I could say would be mountain biking, you know. Right, right. But, um, but yeah, mountain boarders just have like a different mentality and, and they're, you know, I mean, they would take the shirt off their back. Like, you know, people are like, oh, I'm having problems here and they'll stop and fix your board or give you pads or make sure you're taken care of before they keep going on. It's, it's something, it's something special. That yes. is so sweet. I'm still best friends with mountain boarders I met. I still, you know, I just called up Cody like, hey, let's talk about the worlds, you know? Like, these are people that I've known for the past 18 years, and I don't have to see them that often when I do. It's like, it really is like a, a big family. It's very cool. All right, fill us in on the joke. What 
did Cody, what did you guys mean when you were like, you know what it's like to get a bunch of us together? It makes uh, you guys sound like outlaws. Uh, well, we're, we, we get a little rowdy. Yeah? Yeah. Like when we see each other, this is the way it usually goes down. Like you haven't seen these people in a long time, you know, years or whatever. And so the first night before the comp, you show up and you see everybody and you just party. You know, you're just stoked to see everyone. It was hanging around, drinking, having a good time, talking, you know, shooting, catching up and all that stuff. And then usually you're hangover, hungover the next day for the competition. <laughs> but I mean, that's, and then we get rowdy that night. You know, it's just kind of a rowdy bunch, like a fun loving, oh, the stories I could tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Please do. We are a story driven <laughs> podcast. Oh, that's true. <laughs> well, one time in Colorado, Grand Junction, Colorado, we were out for this, it wasn't even a competition, it was just a hangout and ride. And it started raining and we we're in the middle of a, a desert, you know, uh, turned into a mud pit. We went into town. We found this bar that was closing. One of us, I don't remember who it was, but said, hey, can we just come in for one beer? Like, And there was like <laughs> four of us. And she's like, okay. And then like 30 of us invaded the bar. And it was a blast. And she got well tipped. And she had a lot of fun. It was just one beer. Just one beer. Yeah. <laughs> we were there for like four hours. <laughs> oh, you guys sound like yeah. a lot of fun. Do you think it's like that everywhere around the world? Yeah, I think it is. Um, the people I've met from around the world, even the first time I met them, we got a little rowdy. And they're all different. They have different styles of how rowdy they get and different ways they ride. You can, I mean, everybody grew up different, you know, like some did the English have these, these massive, you know, dirt centers that they could go ride dirt all the time. You know, like the, the Australians are down there, like kicking down the street and sliding handrails, you know, um, right. I know for us in the States, it was, same kind of thing like whatever you could get your hands on i grew up just outside of la so i had fire roads at my back door and i had like i can still remember like carving down the street and like you know jumping like sliding in some grass and then like dropping a handrail and doing right. stuff like that that was that was like mountain boarding for me it was yeah. the ability to ride anywhere yeah and the coolest part about europe is that like is like it's all cobblestone right so you can't skate there it's hard to ride to be a next bike but you get on a mountain board, and you can just like literally like kick down the road like cobblestone <laughs> streets, and everything's right. at the access. And another thing with Serbia to go back there again, but they have these fortresses, right? These massive fortresses uh, that they don't even know when they were built. They're so old. They're like Ottoman Empire, crazy old thing. And we, I mean, we go over there, and we're kicking across castle walls and like dropping on the grass embankments and ripping through these like tunnels that go through these fortresses and. You could just ride anywhere. Like wow. that was the that was the draw. Yeah, that was like the draw for the sport, as for most of us. Right. You know, and yep. it, it can get pigeonholed here and there, but in reality, it, you can go anywhere. You can do anything. It's it's just it's all in what you make out of it. You know. Good yeah. work, man. Thanks, dude. You guys are so cute. <laughs> yeah, we are we are pretty darn adorable. <laughs> but doesn't that sound cool? Carving around a an old castle and that sounds amazing. Tunnels? Yeah. That sounds amazing. Yeah, it's pretty. It's a pretty special little thing we have here. I bet there's a lot of places in Europe that would be magnificent to mountain board around. Yeah, it's actually really big over there compared to the States. Um, one of my good friends over there, Mikhail Gramont, lives in France, and he's been helping Cody put on the World Mountain Board Championships. So my name is Mikhail Gramont. I live in the southwest of France. Uh, I've been a mountain boarder for about 18 years or so. The World Mountain Boarding Championships, how long has that been going on? Um, so it was the freestyle championships initially. It started in 2004. Um, I'm not quite sure on the dates, but it's been right. about 15 years. And then in the last few years, it moved to Serbia, uh, Slovenia, France, and we'll see about next year. <laughs> right. 
Does it um, intentionally travel around, or is it just who – or how does it get chosen to where it's going to be next? Uh, so that's a good question. Uh, ideally, we'd be a big a big body, just like the, the CIO, and we'd, we'd have people bid for running the event, but the truth is we're still pretty small, and it's not that easy to find venues that can uh, provide a good experience for everyone. So we sort of know who who's able to provide everything we need, and we reach out, and those who are motivated and who who have what it takes usually get the the approval for the and what what do you see is necessary to host the championship so we usually run two types of uh competitions we have border cross which is similar to what they do in uh snowboarding and skiing uh it's basically racing uh you go down the track uh usually four people are racing at the same time and you want a track that will let people ride for at least 30 seconds to a minute so you need something that's long enough that ha- that's on the slope that's big enough to provide a decent amount of speed because we're gravity powered. And that's one thing. And then the other thing we do is uh, freestyle, where basically people jump off uh, big dirt or wooden jumps. For that, you also need a big slope. And we need both of those things to run the events, basically. Can you describe what, what one would expect on a racetrack? It's not just straight downhill. It's not um, a one straight shot. No. Um, so most of the tracks, they start with uh, either some kind of tower that's built out of wood or just like a big dirt pile. And it gives people uh, a big boost of speed just just as they start racing. And then as they go down, you'll find like what we call rollers. They're basically uh, big mounds of dirt that you can just uh, generate speed off. And that's the typical feature we have, and then there's, uh, you know, turns. We have sometimes jumps for people to fly over and just make a little move in the air. Uh, typically, that comes and to bite, to bite you in the ass when you do that because a lot of people <laughs> make yep. mistakes and they, they fall. Um, it's mostly about going as fast as you can, though. It's not about being up in the air. Um, but, yeah, it's mostly rollers, uh, jumps, and uh, big dirt berms turns basically yeah so like i said border cross is fun and dangerous and exciting it sounds really dirty it's really dirty yeah lots of times i don't know why this happens but every event i've been to it's rained really yeah so it's a muddy slop fest courses have gotten better and they can hold your speed faster right there's some places like there's a course in kansas which i love because it's in kansas and it's not that fast (laughs) but i've ridden one in pennsylvania cedar ridge that was so scary. I didn't want to ride it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So it seems like they, you know, there's a lot of trial and error back in the day, seeing what you could do and what you cannot do. And it seems like they've settled to a nice safe in quotes. I'm using quotes. I'm not really <laughs> using quotes. Safe, uh-huh. but yeah. Yeah. And people wear pads and they wear helmets. They wear protection. Right on. Yeah. So when I'm visualizing these guys, I'm visualizing them just like you, right. but I assume that they skew probably even younger and maybe a bit older. Are there different classes of mountain boarders? There are. And I would be, the oldest division is called the Masters, and that's 35 plus. So that's so you. That's me. I am right. plus. We typically have four or five divisions. Uh, we have... Um, Two or three categories of kids, uh, depending on how many show up at a given competition. 
we have the open category that has uh, the most amount of writers, and we have the master's category uh, for writers that are over 35. And we often have a ladies category. Uh, it's kind of a shame that we have so few uh, female writers that uh, we typically don't have enough writers uh, to make like more than two races for ladies. It's, it's a shame. It's something that um, action sports in general don't do very well at. Um, even surfing, snowboarding, there's very few lady writers. So that's something we're trying to work on. So let's explain to our listeners real quick what Big Air is. Uh, so Big Air is basically um, jumping off of some big dirt or wooden jump and then performing maneuvers in the air. It's very, very similar to snowboarding or skiing. Basically, you do spins, you do flips, and then you grab your board like a skateboarder would do because to us, um, it it shows style and it's, it's, a, it's a way to express yourself. Right. There's a lot of uh, difficulty involved in certain maneuvers, and so um, it's a way to to show how hard you've worked, basically, uh, to get to that point. It's very similar to other things, like I can't believe I'm going to say this, but uh, you know, ice skating has the same thing, like spins and flips. I guess they don't do sure. that flips all that much, <laughs> but right. it's the same idea, basically. It's uh, showing what you can do, and what we do, we do it up off of a jump in the air. Right. And what's the uh, judging criteria for that? Um, usually there's three criteria. There's uh, amplitude, how how fast you, you're going and how high you go up in the air. There's difficulty because, um, I don't know, doing two full spins in the air, what we call 720, uh, is a lot harder than doing half a turn in the air, what we call the 180. Right. Um, and then there's style. Uh, to me, that's the most important. And um, in my opinion, some someone who does something and makes it look good should get more points than somebody who does something difficult, but that looks – basically, if it looks dangerous or if it looks hard, there's no style. If it looks right. easy, then you know it's, it's, it's done the, the proper way. What's the, what's the atmosphere like at, the, at these events? Um, for, for people like me who've been doing it for a while, it's, it's – I would imagine it's like being part of a big family and going to a family reunion. Like if you have like 20 cousins and you see everyone at the same time, it's it's kind of like that. Because a lot of us are just isolated in our little corner of the world and we just ride by ourselves or with a couple friends. And then once a year, we all meet together and then we, we do this thing for about four to five days. So it's basically everyone hanging out, catching up and just having a good time. So the atmosphere is pretty great. We we just need a, an excuse to meet, and nobody really cares about the competition. So obviously everybody cares about it, right. and nobody wants to admit they do, but it feels like they don't. But it's pretty great. That's really, really cool. I liked how important style is and that if something looks really difficult, you're probably not doing it with enough flair. Right. That's yeah. awesome. It is awesome. And that's one reason I was never highly rated. <laughs> <laughs> Did it look like everything was a little bit challenging very, for you? <laughs> yeah, I made everything look really hard, even the easy things. <laughs> but not everybody has that problem. Some people are naturally gifted and make everything look easy. Like our next dude, Matt Brind. He's one of the most winning uh, mountain boarders in the world. So my name's Matt Brind, 
Uh, I'm involved with the World Mountain Board Championships in two ways. Uh, the first way, I'm a competitor. Uh, I ride a mountain board competitively in uh, every discipline I can, so whether it's racing or freestyle or uh, downhill time trials, all those sorts of things. Um, I love it, so I get involved in that aspect. And then on the other side of things, I also help with the organization of the events. Um, typically, I'm mostly involved with the actual running of the competitions themselves. Um, so I do a lot of design work and coding and things around uh, the systems we use to run things like the racing or make the judging so it's super quick and everyone can get five scores and stuff like that. How did you get involved with, with the, putting on the competition? Um, it was kind of a natural progression over the years, I guess. Um, I, start, I, got in, I started getting involved helping out in the UK, uh, I think it was nine years ago now. And then I really liked um, doing it and I really enjoyed it. Um, almost as much as the competing itself, like the organization part. And naturally, right. as I started going to the World Championships and the World Championships, you know, became more regular and things like that, um, I could see that people were doing it their own way, each one. And they were going through some of the stuff that we've seen a few years ago in the UK. So I thought, I want to help. <laughs> I want to help right. them and I want, I want to help the sport by making it run smoother, better more cost efficient, um, you know, better better experience for the riders and those sorts of things. So it just kind of started happening. How did you get started in mountain boarding? Well, sir, I got started some 13 and a half years ago now. It was uh, coming up to my 14th birthday. I uh, had no idea what I wanted to get as a birthday present, and then uh, I saw something on Top Gear. I thought it was really cool. Um, uh -huh. Some guy going down a hill in Wales on this board, racing against some cars, and then uh, uh -huh. a couple of weeks later saw some people in the local woods as well, had to get one, got on the internet, uh, found that there was a shop a couple of towns over that had some in stock, so we, we went down there, and uh, it was basically from there, saved up all my paper round money for a, for a couple of months, uh -huh. <laughs> and uh, used my birthday money and got myself aboard and hooked ever since. Nice. And when did you start competing? Uh, about a month later, I went to uh, the first round of the that year's national series. Um right. So uh, I yeah, just, just went along to see what uh, the track was like and everything like that and the jumps and uh, had a great time. Met loads of people, yeah. realized just how far you could really go in this sport and just how incredible uh, some of the things other people can do. It was awesome. Nice. How did you do that first time? <laughs> Good question. So uh, I was in the under-18s. Yeah, I was in the under-18s uh -huh. and I came 42nd out of 44 people in that age category. <laughs> Yeah, that's not bad. Uh, so that was pretty good. Yeah, not too bad. I was pumped. I was right. pumped. Darn right he was pumped. In my book, 42nd out of 44th is not too bad. He did not get deterred by that. Matt's gone on to be one of the winningest riders in history. He's won tons of awards. He's ridden with the Nitro Circus. What is the Nitro Circus? Oh, Kim. Really? Should I know what the Nitro Circus is? <laughs> yes. Are you... Because you know I love circuses. You, it's not Is it the, circus related? Not quite. It's um, <laughs> extreme sports related. Travis why why was, would I know that? I don't know. Because it's all over the internet. <laughs> the what? <laughs> Travis Pastrana and his nitro cervix. The, cervix? Nitro, nitro cervix. <laughs> cervix. Now we're yeah. in my wheelhouse. <laughs> what is the nitro cervix? That sounds circus? painful, the nitro cervix. It sounds terrible. It sounds terrible. Nitro Circus is a bunch of athletes doing crazy tricks on jumps. Uh, could be motocross bikes doing double backflips or big crazy tricks. Guys on BMX bikes, mountain bikes, um, 
kayaks. And your buddy Matt scooters. was involved with them? Yeah, he did a mountain boarding thing. So like, I think the reason he got into it and the reason I knew his name was he was one of the first mountain boarders to pull a double backflip. What is that? You know what a backflip is? Yes. It's two of those. It's a double. Do you need two backs? <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. Be really descriptive. Okay. What's happening here? So you're on a mountain board. Yep. You roll down a roll. You hit a jump. All right. I'm scared already. Yep. So pulling one backflip, you throw your head back and then your body follows. You talk a little bit. Mm-hmm. You bring the board around and you land and roll away. Mm-hmm. Double backflip. You do the same thing, but you have to go higher because you need more time to rotate. You do two spins while Two you're in spins the in the air. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Yeah. Had anyone done that before him? Um, a couple people have had attempted it. Um, one of our favorite people, Jason Smalls, may, may he rest in peace, was one of the first to land it in a competition. It wasn't super clean, though, um, but it was it was definitely landed. Wow. Um, a couple other guys, Konikama, have tried it, and I think he got super close to landing it. But Matt is the guy that's known Matt's for it. Matt's the guy who really started stomping it. And that's not his only trick, but it was the one I knew first hearing about him back in the States. Uh, yeah, pretty much. I, I got big on the UK scene a little bit before then, but I guess, okay. I don't know, it's hard to tell when you kind of break, if that, if you, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, yeah, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if that was one of the first times that I kind of got around the world a little bit with, uh, with my name and what I was doing. But, right. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me too much. <laughs> Are you still pulling them? Yeah, yeah, not as often as I was a few years ago, but uh, right, right. <laughs> always, I, I like to do them. I like to do them. It's just uh, the main thing at the moment is finding the right jump, you know, finding a good place I can go where it's got everything right. <laughs> what kind of tricks are you throwing down these days? What, what, what do you like them? Um, I'm really, really into backside court fives at the moment. I think that's uh, got to be my favorite trick for the last year or so. Right. Um, not too techie, not too techie, but it just something about it just feels awesome. Um, <laughs> and like when you put it down four wheels, super smooth, it, yeah, it feels great. Can That's you, probably my favorite trick. Can you, since this is audio, can you describe to the audience what that is? Of course. So uh, a backside cork five is uh, you're going you're to spin one and a half times around in the air, and the cork part means that you're not spinning uh, straight up. You're spinning on a sideways axis or kind of upside down. So you're doing one and a half spins around. So you're landing the opposite way to the way you take off. And you're doing it sideways through the air instead of just flat. Nice. I don't think I'll be trying those anytime soon. Never know. Find a nice okay. jump in a foam pit. There you go, yeah. <laughs> did he say jump in a foam pit? He did say jump in a foam pit. What the heck is that? Is that like what ravers do? <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot that's of different... whistles and foams. Yeah, I think that's a different... I don't know they do that anymore. It's like a bubble pit. Yeah, what yeah. is this? This is a pit full of foam. A picture like an above ground swimming pool size thing filled with foam chunks like uh, that you would like make. styrofoam? No. But not like shaving cream. Not shaving cream. Somewhere in between. Somewhere in between styrofoam and shaving cream. More like a uh, noodle material. Oh, yeah. Packing yeah, yeah. foam. Um, uh, elephant peanuts. Not quite that. No? Bigger than that. Bigger picture than like that. brick sized. But it's a, a smushy, cushiony foam. Does it feel good when you land in it? Yeah. yeah. Okay. You don't get hurt at all. So it's a good, good way to practice things. You can, yeah. You can throw whatever you want and land in the foam and you'll be all right. But your your body learns how to do these tricks. Mm. So when you bring it to the dirt, you you have the body memory, the motion memory of that stuff. Yeah. Muscle memory. Yeah. So where do, where do you get this foam if I wanted to fill up this office per se? I have no idea. Oh, dang. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have a foam guy anymore. I would so just be jumping off everything in the house. You do have a pool. We could fill that with foam. Yeah. 
wintertime. My birthday's coming up. <gasps> All right. Foam, <laughs> foam pit party foam at Ken's house. <laughs> I think the coolest thing I've learned, I mean, I've been in mountain for a while. And I think one of the coolest things I've learned interviewing these guys is how international it still is and how international this competition is. That's great. So the World Championship really is quite a global affair. Um, even though it's, it's held in Europe, typically we do get people from all around coming over. Um, so we've had Brazilians, I think, for the last five or six years. There's been at least one or two Brazilians every single year. You know, it, it's coming from very far afield. And if I remember the numbers correctly, we've always got around 20 different nationalities competing at the event. So, you know, that really goes to show that it is a very international competition. Uh, and one of the great things about it is you see how different all these different nationalities and cultures, how different their riding styles are. Like you, you see the Brazilians come over and they're, you know, some of them have got skate trucks with tiny wheels, but they've got the coolest chilled out laid back style you've ever seen, you know, and then you've got the Polish who are kind of, kind of, and the Eastern Europeans are kind of burly and they, they, they charge around and they're like full board across kind of people, you know, and they've got a really aggressive style. Um, and it, it's really cool. And then of course, Dylan Warren, uh, him and his friends in Australia, they're quite street oriented. So they're all about the rails and, getting out into towns and stuff like that, doing stair sets and cool drop-offs. So, yeah, it's a really, really varied uh, people that come along to the events um, and really, really varied riding styles. And it's, it's great to see everybody mingle together and have a good time and share their yeah. experience. I think the majority of people kind of come along to the, the World Championships, especially to see everybody else. Everyone really is just like a family. Everyone gets on. I <laughs> I don't see anybody arguing ever. Everyone just smiles, happy to talk to anyone, happy to hang out with anyone. And that, that's got to be one of the biggest draws, if not the biggest draw, for people to actually come along to the event. So I, I think it's still the same as when you were around, Ted. Yep. <laughs> there we go with the, the family stuff again. I love it. Yeah, it's a really great community. It makes me want to hang out with you guys. Do you guys have a lot of hangers on? Could I be a hanger on? You are a hanger on. <laughs> <laughs> We don't have any groupies, if that's what you're getting at. I take offense to the word groupie. <laughs> hanger on. Hanger on. Okay, it you can be a hanger me. on. Thank you. <laughs> All right, so I can't believe we waited this long to cover it, but what the heck are you guys competing for? What are the prizes? As with most of the things we cover, it's not really for the prizes. It's not really for money. It's for love and adoration. But we love prizes. On the prize side, it kind of depends on the host. Uh, this year, the... Uh, the, the guys who won um, and the girls who won, uh, really awesome. They got a brand new mobile phone from a small independent mobile company called Crosscool. Smartphones as well, they're really decent, to be fair. <laughs> it was a great right. prize. Um, you know, you can get parts and things like that from mounted board manufacturers, or sometimes they give out vouchers um, so that you can go and buy the parts that you want yourself, clothing, loads of cool stuff like that. Normally, you can expect uh, everyone going wild. It's not uncommon to be hoisted up and, you know, crowd surfed against your will <laughs> if you won. Um, and then uh, it tends to be most years there's some champagne or something similar, you know, getting sprayed around everywhere. Fun. They've upped the ante. They use champagne now. I love it. An involuntary crowd surfing. Right. That's the best thing in the world. I don't know if they could lift me anymore. Oh, sure they could. They're strong, they sound like old men. Strong, burly. Uh, the Polish guys, at least. Yeah, the Polish guys pick me on. The Australians are yeah. they're wily. <laughs> <laughs>
Ted, very cool. I feel like I know you better. All right. Well, thanks for coming along for a journey into mountain boarding. Yeah. And, you know, um, we didn't get a chance to cover this, but I think our listeners should probably know a little bit about your home because Ted's backyard is set up to indulge his love of mountain boarding. Yeah. About 10, 15 years ago, I made it into a mountain boarding course. Started as one little jump in a one little dirt hill. Now it's got a rolling off a deck and a couple jumps and a quarter pipe and a creek gap. And we do more on bikes now, but it's still still there. I don't ride as much as I used to. It's really yeah. cool like for an outsider to go over there and watch. Ted's been known to have a really killer Halloween party. Mm-hmm. And mountain boarders from all over the world have come to hang out this for Halloween. True. They'll dress in costumes which you know we love fancy dress. (laughs) And then they'll do the mountain boarding course in his backyard. And so for an outsider looking in, that is joyful. Yeah, people are surprised. Like, this is really your backyard. Do I have a memory of you dressed up like Eleanor Roosevelt going down a mountain (laughs) board in your backyard? You have seen that. That yes, happened. Indeed. Yeah, that did happen. it did happen. Okay. And we were in a movie. There's a movie called Evil Keg. And in the movie, there's a tainted keg of beer that turned people into zombies. No way. And they brought it to a mountain board party, which was at my house. And everyone, all the mountain boarders turned into zombies. No way. Yeah. All right. We got a link to that on our website. I don't think it's available anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think I made it to video. Oh, yeah. that's a shame. I know. You could see me in my acting, not my acting debut, because I... I Played a drunk mountain boarder in this All one. That soft porn stuff. Yeah. Um, back then. <laughs> <laughs> Your other acting debut. My, my other acting debut, yes, yes. Yes, I bet you can find some reference to it somewhere on the interwebs. Yeah, I'm sure I can find. I'll see if I can find something on YouTube. Okay. Yeah. Cool, cool. Yeah. Well, this was super fun. I'm glad you enjoyed it. And I I'm did. welcome to the wonderful world of mountain boarding. Do you think you'll travel to a world championship anytime soon? I think I might. These guys were making me feel bad for not going, so... What the heck? Why not? Yeah, I'd love to go this year. They haven't quite nailed down exactly where it's going to be, but we'll put that up on their website and let you know where it is. Yeah, so check out the mountain boarding page on RochambeauPodcast.com. You'll get to see pictures of Ted's buddies, even hopefully a picture of Ted, maybe on a mountain board. Maybe as Eleanor Roosevelt. That would be amazing. (laughs) We'll see what I can find. And I want to give a shout out and a special thanks to Cody Stewart, Mikhail Gramont, and Matt Brind. You guys are awesome. I can't wait to see you guys again. Thank you for taking the time to talk to me and thank you cadillac jones for being so generous with your music all the music you hear in this podcast is courtesy of cadillac jones and if you want to get to know more about them go to cadillacjones.com so what's coming up next time on rochambeau well remember how we did christmas in july of course the gingerbread houses yep this is christmas and christmas time all right till next time people goodbye Yeah, do that and do it on, do that on pod, no, do that on CastBox. <laughs> I, use, <laughs> I use it every day. I still can't remember the name of it. <laughs>